Welcome to the Smart Influencer Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Christina Hitchcock. And I'm Corinne Schmidt. We're both entrepreneurs, online influencers, strategy junkies, and spreadsheet ninjas. Each week, you'll hear inspiring interviews and lead with actionable tips and strategies to help you work smarter and scale faster. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Smart Influencer Podcast. Today, we're talking with Elena Shaliga from HappyKitchen.Rocks about food photography. We all know how important great photos are when it comes to attracting visitors to a food blog. Elena is going to walk us through her process for getting amazing photos for every single recipe. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the podcast, Elena. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you today. But before we jump in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? I'm Alina Sheliga, and I'm a professional food photographer, stylist, and food blogger at happykitchen.rocks, where I publish healthy vegetarian and vegan recipes. And I'm also an online food photography tutor. And I run an online course where I shall share my knowledge and experience from camera settings to styling tricks to help people create better food photos. And my favorite thing about being a food blogger is taking pictures of food. And that's what we're going to be talking today. So I'm pretty excited about it. That is one of the best parts is is when you can get a really nice shot of whatever it is that you're making and really capture the essence. Yeah, I love that. So Alina, maybe we could start off by saying, why would you feel that photography is so important for bloggers? Well, there is such a high competition in the food blogging niche. Like, I don't know how many million blog posts are published every single day. So not only in food blogging, but like in all spheres of blogging from travel to lifestyle, uh, having photos is one of the most critical components when putting together a good piece of content. And so since food blogging in particular is so visual, Sometimes it takes less than a second for people to decide whether they want to make your recipe or whether they want to scroll further. And so I believe that that if the pictures of your recipe look great, so then you have more chances that your recipe will grab attention and so you can expect higher traffic and higher income, possibly more sponsored deals for your blog in the long run. And so I think it makes sense to invest in your food photography skills to stay ahead of the competition as a food blogger. Can we talk about that for just a minute? Because I know that you've landed a lot of sponsorships, which you credit uh, largely, right, for your your photography, because you have such great photography skills. Do you know like how you got on the radar of sponsors or was it you submitting work to be selected for sponsored posts? Well, I was just approached by a PR agency and they basically landed a few deals on on an ongoing basis. So like it's it's the brand I work with for years, for example. They give me their campaign details and then I create like a few posts per year for them. And they have pretty strict requirements about photography in particular. And so I kind of represent the brand for years and they trust me in this. And that's why they continue working with me. So I'm also pretty happy that this brand, that I represent this brand and not like, you know, different brands every month. And that gives me consistency and also helps me to create trust with my readers. 
that is one of the best relationships when you can stumble into these ambassadorships. It's easier for them because they don't have to, it's expensive for them to go looking for new bloggers for each individual campaign. And like you said, you've got the steady work and you don't have to go apply for a bunch of things. And then for your audience that you're not pitching one, you know, for example, like a pasta brand this week and a different pasta brand next week, it just gives you more credibility. So yeah, I think those are great relationships to foster. So how did you, do you know how you got on their radar initially? Like where did, how did they discover you? the PR firm actually I don't really remember because it's been really years ago um but I think I was working with another one before and then uh it went bankrupt and they didn't pay their bloggers but I was still working for this brand then and the brand had no affiliation with this like they didn't pay the debts and they just hired another firm and they approached me so that's how it was well, and the reason I ask is when you're talking about how food's so visual, I know a lot of food bloggers are present on Instagram for that reason, because a lot of brands are on Instagram. And I know anytime that, and I'm not consistent about it, but anytime I'm consistent on Instagram, that is where brands reach out to me. It's not via email, which is normally where else I, I see them. So I was wondering if it had been Instagram, but since it was years ago, it probably wasn't that big yet. Yeah. So you're a photographer at heart. Were you a photographer first or a blogger first? I would say I was a blogger first because I had little idea about how to take pictures of food when I published my first post. Uh, it was back in 2015. And so it was just a hobby blog at the beginning. And then it turned into something bigger. And I guess that my photography skills contributed to the growth of my blog. And also I was like learning and reading ebooks, getting information online. But back then it was not so much of information about like, how do you do all these things? So I was working on myself and I was trying to improve. And, you know, there are so many things you have to care about as a food blogger. There is like an overwhelming amount of, of different areas you have to concentrate on. And so just... My idea was that I would stand out of the crowd with my photography. And also, I don't know, I think I told that my blog is about healthy vegetarian and vegan food. So for me, my goal was like to make healthy food look more attractive to people. That would encourage them to try it and enjoy it and maybe make it a part of their lifestyle. So I believe that if you make healthy food look beautiful, then it really helps to motivate people to try it. So that was another incentive for me. And you to... do, your photographs are yeah. beautiful. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. And you do make healthy food look beautiful. I'm looking at that kale smoothie and like, I just want that. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing too, with healthy ingredients since you, and especially because you do a lot of vegan, so many fruits and vegetables, they're so colorful. Like you've got so many great yeah. colors in your food. It looks delicious. It looks beautiful. So since you were a blogger first, I'm sure when you've developed your process, like you have a, you have a set process that you use for your photography. And I think that that's one of, I, I'm a food blogger. So when I know for myself and I'm, I'm speaking for, for others, the photography process can be overwhelming, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Doing and you're just kind of making it up as you go along or, or hoping for the best. Do you have a process for photographing your blog posts? And if so, can you walk us through that a bit? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I would start like in the beginning of my, of my food photography journey, I just used to post a dozen of pictures of the finished dish from different angles, along with a personal story that 
related to the recipe. I guess many of us can can <laughs> relate to that because these times are long gone now. So now I concentrate more on step-by-step -step pictures and I want to make sure that a reader can make my recipe without any issues from the first attempt. And so I use a lot of process shots and of course finished hero shots as well. The process that I go through is first, I usually have a flat lay of my ingredients and then I try to take all my process shots from the same spot. So I usually use a tripod for that. So I have more consistencies throughout the images. Uh, sometimes I ch change angles, if that makes sense. So for example, if I'm taking a process shot, of let's say zucchini fritters then i would show how i squeeze the liquid out of this grated zucchini uh, with a table height shot then i'll show how i add other ingredients and form the zucchini fritters with overhead shots as for the hero shot i usually choose my background board first and then a few basic props depending on what the recipe is i think about what mood i want to create with my dish so for example if i'm shooting a comforting winter soup so i would aim for a cozy and warm look as opposed to if i'm shooting a, a salad so then i would go with the bright summer vibes and that would determine my choice of props once i've done that i usually determine what is the best quality of the dish that I'm going to photograph and how I can show it in the best way. So is it the color or is it a certain combination of colors or is it a texture or shape or maybe I want to showcase different layers in the dish. I choose my props accordingly and then I, I arrange them on my background board and I think about the composition that I want to have there. Then I think about the lighting that would be best for, for a given setup. Then I do a few test shots and I see what works and what doesn't. So I might change a few things along the way. For example, if I have too many props, then I would cut it off. Or if the composition is too tight, then I would rearrange it. Once I've done the shoot, then I do the editing in Lightroom and Photoshop. And then I export my pictures uh, and compress them to make them load faster on my website. So that's pretty much the process of photographing my blog post. <laughs> no, that was fantastic because it, it that was very in-depth. And I could actually, as you were talking, like I'm picturing, you know, myself walking through that process with photos that I would take. So part of that, like the beginning parts of your process are done before you have even made the recipe, right? You're thinking about what shots you want to get out of that yeah. recipe. So it's a yeah, that's, I think that's that's a part like the, the styling part, it, it lays in recipe development. So mm -hmm. before you even develop the recipe, you think about what you want to add there to make it look good. Yeah. And I know myself, like I'll go through the whole process of making the recipe and bring it in to photograph it. And then I'm like, oh no, I don't have any garnish. <laughs> so if I just did a little bit of pre-planning, I would have remembered to buy the parsley <laughs> or whatever the garnish is. Yeah, that that's my problem all the time okay, yeah so garnishes are really helpful they are like lifesavers yeah always elevate the dish uh, that is but true for someone like me like what who is not a great photographer um and is really starting from like below zero i think skill wise what are some easy ways like for someone that's that really doesn't know what they're doing or knows very little to get better at photography like what are some of the first things you'd recommend Okay, so the first thing that is pretty basic, but 
necessary, I think, is to learn shooting with manual mode. Because if you've never shot in manual mode, it may seem like a huge and scary change that you have to, to make in the beginning. But really, I promise it's not as hard as it seems. And it's just a bit of theory combined with mainly practice. So if you learn about how the exposure triangle works, you'll quickly figure out how to change your camera settings depending on the light and depending on the look you, that you want to achieve. And maybe it will take a bit of time and efforts to learn, but that will save you so much time in the long run. So in the, the biggest... exposure triangle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And so that's the stuff Sorry. where I have cheat sheets hung up on my photo board that say, turn the big <laughs> dial this way, turn the little dial yeah. that way. <laughs> I'm very technical. Yeah, well, it is technical, but if, if, if you know how it works and if you understand the process behind it, then you can have more creative control over your images. So instead of thinking about like which button to, to press, you would think about how you want your food to look and then you would try to use your camera as a tool to achieve that look. That makes so, so that's much more sense. Yeah, so that was one of the first things that I think everybody who is serious about food photography has to learn to have more confidence and to have more creative freedom. And the second thing to improve your food photography is to understand how the lighting works and how to manipulate the light to show your food in the best way. So it's also about finding your style and creating consistency with your work. For example, if you're shooting with backlight, then you would have more highlights and shadows and that would create a more dramatic look. Also, it would make the food look kind of like illuminated from behind and make it glow. If you are going for more even colors and not so much highlights and shadows and like overall brighter looks, then you would maybe try side light. And there are so many options in between. So you can use like white reflectors, you can use black reflectors, you can use like, you can you can partly block the light source with blackboards to create like this thin strip of light for moody shots. So there is like everything that you can think about, like how you want your dish to look and you can achieve that with mainly light. And that's amazing. Sometimes you don't need so much editing. Sometimes you don't need so much of props but just how the way the light works, it really, it's really amazing. If you really understand how it works and if you have this picture in mind and you can translate it into your photo, that's like, that's a success. <laughs> and the less time you spend editing, the more efficient yeah, you're going exactly. to be. It saves you time and it, it creates more like creative options for you. Yeah. Now, do you use mostly natural light or do you use artificial light? I mainly use natural light because I'm shooting in the morning and afternoon and I happen to have really great light in my flat. So that's nice. If I'm shooting outside of my home, then I would probably try shooting with artificial light, like for a restaurant. And I've done this a few times, but I must say natural light is so much more interesting for me, like creatively than artificial light. So I just use that out of, I don't know, creative and artistic options that it offers. 
So these tips have all been great, like great ways to improve our photography if we're going along. But you talked a bit about food styling. And I know myself, that can be very tricky. Or in my case, sometimes I get very bored because I tend to find myself doing the same things over and over again. Do you have any tips or tricks that you can share that we can put in our food photography arsenal? As we said before, like for me, food styling is a part of recipe development. And so I think a great way to approach food styling before you even create a dish is to ask yourself how you can incorporate different shapes, different colors, different textures, unusual ingredients or garnishes in your dish that contributes to the look and feel of the dish that you're going for. So like maybe cut veggies in a different way or maybe add a few garnishes like herbs or just simply salt and pepper because like these small things even like a pinch of coarse salt it can improve the texture of the dish and just instantly elevate it and so another thing that i noticed many people struggle with is the right amount of props in the frame i like to make my food be the star of the show and i try not to use too many props and very often i would use ingredients as props or or garnishes as props whenever that makes sense for the recipe I find this really powerful and it also shows like what ingredients are inside and usually colors are also very nice since I'm using a lot of fresh veggies and fruits. So I actually moderate a Facebook group about food photography and people share their pictures and they ask for feedback or they give feedback. And many times I can see that people are using too many props or like they are using props that overshadow the, their main subject. So I would say it's important to know when to stop when you're adding props one after another and be careful about using pattern towels or colorful plates because they can just distract the viewer from your main dish. So it's kind of like almost like in the fashion world when they say when you're piling on accessories, take off your last one, you know, because you probably went too far with one too many. But that's my pet peeve is when you look and the food is no longer the focus because the plate is too busy or there's too many other things going on that your food is no longer the focus of the photo. Yeah, exactly. That group sounds like a great resource because it's a great way to crowdsource opinions. So is that your food photography course, Facebook group? Yeah, it is, but it's also a platform for photographers to share their work and to ask questions and just like a little community of food photographers of all levels, I would say, from really beginners with their cell phones to professional photographers and videographers so this is a pretty broad range (laughs) and I like that people are giving feedback on other people's pictures and like receiving feedback it's really nice that like creates a nice community and so this group is open to the public Uh, well it's a closed group but there will be a link to the group and anybody can join okay Uh, join in and uh, yeah, I created it originally for my course uh, students, but then it kind of grew and I just kept it closed for now. So we'll put the link to that group in the show notes. Okay. So you, you said that this was tied to your course. So you do have a course that helps people improve food photography. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. So I created an online food photography and styling course that would be useful for people who are starting out or 
for those who don't know what exactly to do to improve their food photos. When I created this course, I thought about what course would be useful for me back then when I was starting out. And so I came up with a course structure that kind of goes step by step from basic to more advanced things. And it's also easy to follow. It's all video based and it has homework assignments and quizzes to keep people occupied. And uh, topics covered in the course include camera gear, camera settings, and how to shoot in manual mode, focus, natural light, how to work with diffusers, reflectors, different types of props, and how to use them, composition, color theory, action shots, storytelling, the concept of layers, and so on and so forth. And there is also a separate food styling demo and the poor shot demo. And there are also demos showing exactly how to set your camera and how to manipulate natural light, how to select props in order to get the look and feel that you're going for. Basically, it covers all you need to know as a beginner, as an intermediate food photographer, I would say. If you're a food blogger and you want to improve your food photography, then that's the course for you. There are three price packages to choose from. There is a basic package, which is great for beginners. And there you get access to all the course materials for three months. And then there is uh, the premium package that gets you unlimited access to the course materials and is designed for food bloggers and website owners. Then there is the elite package, which includes accountability program with my personal feedback on your assignments. Also two one hour long coaching sessions with me. For those of you who are listening to this podcast, there is a 10% discount on the course regardless of the package that you choose with a coupon code smart influencer that i think will be listed down below in the show notes and if you have any questions about the course or if you are not sure which package is best for you so you can email me anytime and i'll help you out I'm just scrolling through your course modules and i mean you cover everything. I mean, it's everything. I just know from, from my own experience that I would want to know, like how to use all the different pieces of equipment and what all of the settings, the the crazy settings on the camera. I like that you, you know, you talk about the different bits of light and props and comp, like there's so many things covered in this course and your price is so affordable. So this is definitely a no brainer for food bloggers looking to up their photography game. Well, thank you. I I just wanted to kind of put everything together because there is so much information online and it kind of gets overwhelming. You can find the same information probably all over internet, but it's not structured. You might think like, okay, I know composition, but how do I figure like props? And I know camera settings, but how do I go about figuring natural light? So I just wanted to put everything together and make it like a one-time destination for those who want to study food photography. And what I think I like most about it is that you created the course from the position of what you wished you had when you were learning it. And I think that that's so valuable when you can find a course that's created in that way, because the learning is going to be natural and you're covering everything that you would need to know. Yeah, yeah that's, that, very... that's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah. because well, I wish I, I had this down course. That far, Christina, till you said it, but like just looking even at what you cover in props, different modules for each individual thing. So plates and bowls, then bakeware pots and pans is its own you know section, then glasses and jars, like mm-hmm. all the different types of props that you might possibly work with. And it's you know, so you, might, 
you might be good. Like for me, like I have it down where I can photograph on a plate, but I always struggle when it comes to glasses and jars because I feel like the, there's, there's a dimension there that's hard to capture just right. So even if you might feel comfortable in one area, I mean, you can take this course just for the particular areas that you might need a little extra help in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tried, maybe it's not, not everything. Someone will come up with something that I didn't cover. Yeah. But um, I, I um, specifically didn't want to cover editing because I think that if you really master the manual settings, natural light, composition, then you really don't need that much editing. You might, you might need it for cropping or resizing or anything like this but you can achieve the same result with just taking pictures out of your camera. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the cameras are for. So like you can use whatever you have and master it. So yeah, I'm looking at this now at this course. And even if you don't have a DSLR camera and you, you don't have the budget to invest in that at this time, I think you can still use the components of this course and take photos, great photos with your phone. I mean, just talking yeah. about the props and the composition and the food styling and just that whole component of the course, I mean, would just be and understanding light even is valuable, even if you're photographing, you know, with your phone. And even manual settings, some phones have this mm -hmm. pro mode where you can just add the settings that you want. And that's basically, it's working as a DSLR. Or there are mirrorless cameras nowadays that are doing the same. So mm -hmm. like whatever camera you have, you can go through this course and you would benefit from it just as much as if you would use it with a DSLR. Well, this is great. Thank you so much, Elena. There's so much value in here. If someone wanted to reach out to you, what is the best way to reach you? Well, you can find my blog at happykitchen.rocks. You can always email me at Elena, E-L-E-N-A, at happykitchen.rocks. And I also have Instagram, and you can always DM me there. I think you'll find the link to my course in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And you can, of course, join my Facebook group. I would be happy if you do. Uh, you can just use Facebook search and type um, Happy Kitchen uh, Food Photography course and you'll find it there. Yeah, so feel free to get in touch with me and I'll be happy to answer your questions or help you out. Thank you so much, Elena. This was super helpful. And we will put the links to everything that Elena mentioned in the show notes so you can very easily find them. But yes, thank you very, very much today. It's my pleasure. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Elena Shaliga and you're starting to think about ways that you can be more intentional with your photography. Elena gave us some great tips in today's episode and make sure you grab the discount to her course that's going on right now. You can get it over in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app. This helps us so much and make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks so much for listening. We definitely appreciate you and we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Influencer Podcast with Christina and Corinne. Catch all of the episodes and more at digitalceocircle.com.